0: Our New Testament reading this morning is from 1 John chapter 1. We declare to you what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. This life was revealed and we have seen it and testified to it and declare to you the eternal life that was with the Father and was revealed to us. We declare to you what we have seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our Gospel reading is from Luke chapter 24. Hear the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. While they were talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and terrified and thought that they were seeing a ghost. He said to them, Why are you frightened, and why do doubts arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet. See that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. While in their joy they were disbelieving and still wondering, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Good
1: morning. We continue our journey through Luke chapter 24. And our passage today, this is another, uh, we're going to start it and we're going to leave with a cliffhanger. We'll resolve it next week. Uh, So you'll have to come back to get the full resolution there. Uh, But this particular episode, this is the third significant event that has happened on the same day. So when we look at this, we're, we're actually starting to shift. Luke is showing us that we are now going to be shifting from this long and involved and incredibly beautiful and somewhat surprising story of Jesus to the story of his witnesses and where that's going to go as this message goes out through the whole world. So let's just remember where we've been through this chapter 24 in the gospel of Luke. So we started with the witnesses of the women. So the women who went, they found an empty tomb and angels saying, Jesus is risen as he promised you that he would do. And now you're this witness, go and tell the others. And then we met up with two of the disciples who left Jerusalem, where all of these events were happening. And they went on the road, leaving Jerusalem, going down the hill, down towards Emmaus. Where this really beautiful story because we get Jesus walking alongside them and they don't see. And in the not seeing, they're just not perceiving, right? Their eyes have been shrouded and their perception is off and they're missing who Jesus is and what he did and the significance of the death and the resurrection. We then also get this really beautiful story where Jesus, as he walks alongside with people with wrong perceptions of who he is, uses all of scripture to speak to his mission and who he is. And then in this great moment of hospitality, he joins them for a meal and he takes and he blesses bread and he breaks it and he gives it. And we, the readers of Luke, go, wait a minute, that sounds really familiar. Because a few days earlier, or two chapters earlier, Jesus, with his disciples in a room, took, blessed, broke, and gave bread in the Last Supper. And also, much earlier in Luke, Jesus, when he was surrounded by over 5,000 people, he took bread, blessed, broke, and gave. And each of these repetitions of this kind of hospitality of Jesus taking this bread, it happened every single time during Passover. And in this Passover time, we're thinking of this hospitality of God to bring people out from systems of oppression, to release them into freedom, and then to provide everything that they need in this new experienced freedom. It's a foretaste of the fullness and the delightfulness of the messianic kingdom that Jesus is in the process of bringing to earth. In this moment of even these two disciples seeing Jesus take, bless, break, and give, their eyes are open. And in this really wonderful, fantastically ironic moment, when their perception crystallizes and they go, ah, this is what Jesus was all about. In that moment of their eyes being opened, Jesus disappears from sight. It's really wonderful, but they understand what all of scripture has been pointing towards this whole time. And in this excitement, they get up on the same day and they run uphill to Jerusalem, which is really great. You need to hike these trails and go on these roads to realize the fullness of their excitement to motivate them to run uphill to Jerusalem to find the others. So they find the others in Jerusalem, and we're going to start entering into Luke 24 in our passage here. And as the readers of Luke, we're going to say it's interesting that we're back in Jerusalem for this story. Luke prioritizes Jerusalem. Jerusalem is a really significant place for the gospel of Luke. We start in Jerusalem with Zechariah. We're going to end in Jerusalem. And then Luke is pointing us towards volume two of his writings. And in the gospel or gospel of Acts, in the book of Acts, we're going to start in Jerusalem and we're going to figure out how does this event, everything that is focused on Jerusalem, these events, how is it going to spread into the world? So Jerusalem, we have this like focus. So we're back in Jerusalem, but we're back with people who are puzzled still about what's going on. So Luke chapter 24 in our passage, so starting in verse 36, it says, while they were talking about this, and more literally, it would be these things, while they're talking about these things. And this, again, because we are readers of Luke, and hopefully we're reading all of Luke together, not just little the little slice that we have just this morning. Because in Luke chapter 24, he's been repeating over and over and over again these things, this phrase. So we see it in verse 13. We get it again in verse 18. We have it again in verse 19. And every time these things are being discussed, it is the puzzling fact of the death of this person, this rabbi that the disciples were following, and the fact that the tomb is empty that's these things. So we have this group of people, again, in this room gathered together, and they're discussing these things. But the two disciples who had been on the road to Emmaus, who ran back to Jerusalem, are among them, which makes us think, these things, it's not just the death and the resurrection of Jesus, but it's also How do the book of Moses, the books of Moses, and how do the prophetic writings and how do the Psalms point to the fact that this makes sense? And so as they're gathered and they're talking about these things collectively, I like to imagine that they're kind of going, okay, wait. See, we thought this whole time that we were traveling with Jesus and this was the destination point. But suddenly we realize now this is the destination point. How does, that, how does that work? Right? Like we were in this because we were so convinced <clears throat> that Jesus was going to bring about David's kingdom again. This restoration of David's kingdom. Every time he talked about God's kingdom being established, we thought that was David's kingdom God was establishing. What is God's kingdom? We thought we were recreating, rebuilding this kingdom, this political kingdom of independence. And turns out all along, Jesus was in the business of changing the entire world. Our imaginations weren't big enough, right? This is, this is what I imagine these conversations of these things was all about. And it's interesting because as we meet up with the disciples, the men and women who've been following Jesus this whole time, we see that a clear understanding of Jesus and who he is and what he's been about this whole time, understanding is not always their first response. We get a lot of things like they're perplexed, they're anxious, they're astounded, they're dumbfounded, they are confused. And if we're a little bit generous with them, we could say, yeah, they just don't have the interpretive lens to be able to figure out what death and resurrection are all about. And if we think about that, we go, yeah, I mean, the cross and an empty tomb, these are not self-explanatory events, right? So it's their immediate, um, their understanding, their full perception is going to take a little bit of time And in this confusion, Jesus shows up again. And we're going to have, just like we did with the disciples on the road to Emmaus, now in this larger group of disciples, we still have an issue of what is your perception of Jesus. And Luke is going to repeat the word see. Go ahead. You should count. How many times? See. Even just in these couple verses that we have, this little bit, it's not even the full story, but this little bit, just count how often Luke points you to what are they seeing? What is their, their eyes and their perception about? And so Jesus is going to show up in their midst and his first word is shalom, peace, peace be with you. In your confusion, in your doubts, in your not quite understanding the fullness of the story, peace. Peace be with you. And again, I see this this very consistent, generous hospitality of Jesus to show up in people's confusion and go, Peace, it's okay. I'll just hang out with you until you figure it out. I'm going to be consistently present with you. And we see that the people who are in this room, their instinct is fear. So we see this because their perception, like what is it that we're seeing? Is this a ghost? Is this a spirit? Is this my imagination? And Jesus is pointing them back to his humanness, his physical presence, See my hands, see my feet, see my scars. And in this presence with them, in his human presence, in their midst, we, the readers of Luke, again, are seeing the fullness of the promises that Jesus had given. This is, again, the third time in this chapter alone that we go, this is... uh, affirmation of the promises Jesus had given to them that he would show up after the resurrection and be present among them so will they see this is you know then our passage ends we get our cliffhanger version for this week so come back next week actually their understanding is in two verses so you can go and read it at home so they will see, ultimately, they will understand. And I think part of the questions that we can be asking about this passage is the necessity for them to fully understand, to see not just what Jesus has been doing during his whole ministry, but to understand how all of Scripture's pointed to this moment, and then how Jesus, the life, the ministry of Jesus is going back and, and like, The scripture is pointing to Jesus, but Jesus then is helping us to go back and see with fresh eyes all of scripture. Will they fully understand, not just see who Jesus is, but will they fully understand because that understanding is going to be necessary for them to be sent out as witnesses. What are they witnesses of? This ministry of Jesus, what was that all about? And we could go, well, let's just refresh our memory. Not that long ago, we went through Advent and then Christmas season, right? So the beginning, this birth of Jesus, we could say, why don't we go a little further back to Genesis, to the creation narratives, where we noticed and we saw that God is persistently trying to be present among his people and he persists and he persists and he persists. And maybe Jesus now is a portion of that story that shows God's persistent presence with his people. So will these disciples see and notice and perceive and understand that there is a mission that needs to be picked up? That Jesus is the one who brought God's kingdom near, but who's going to continue? that mission. Jesus is the one who spent his ministry pulling people from the margins and restoring them to wholeness. Who is going to continue in that mission? Who is going to see not the Jesus they want him to be, but the Jesus who actually is and is all about changing the entire world? I think there's an invitation here for us as well That there is joy in the Eucharist that we are about to celebrate, in the taking, the blessing, the breaking, and the giving. That there is an invitation to this kingdom banquet that Jesus is initiating and then offering all of us to participate in. So there's an invitation to the table. There's an invitation for us to continually explore the scriptures. How is the fullness of the biblical scripture pointing to Jesus and pointing to God's persistent presence with his people? And maybe even an invitation for us to be sent out as well as witnesses to the fullness of what God is doing. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, there is something about all week thinking about these passages in Luke chapter 24 and the fullness of the gospel message that makes me ask the question, am I seeing you well? Am I really seeing the beauty and the complexity and the simplicity at the same time of just how persistent you are and how loving you are? And how when you come and establish your kingdom here on earth, there's an invitation to experience now what that kingdom is and to participate in spreading the good news of that kingdom. Lord, be with us all as we strive to see you in your richness. Help our seeing and our perception grow deeper. May our love grow deeper. May we celebrate together as we accept this generous invitation to come and feast at your table. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.